Have you ever dreamed of what life would be like if you were financially free? Yeah, me too. Which is why despite having three children under the age of four and working full time, I decided to start an online business. However, I was not prepared for the chaos starting a business would wreak on my life. I lost sight of the things that were most important to me. The result? I was stressed, overwhelmed, and exhausted with nothing to show for it. I was ready to call it quits. When I realized something, when I keep the most important things in my life stable, that is when I thrive. Now I'm on a mission to inspire other amazing women to do the same. But the real question is, how do we do it? Join me on my journey as I build my financially freeing business using today's top marketing strategies while keeping stability in my home, family, and mind. My name is Johanna Buss, and this is the Stable Mama Podcast. Hello, ladies, and welcome back to the Stable Mama Podcast. Today, I have an extra special treat for you because I am going to introduce you to an amazing woman. Her name is Carla White, and she is the first woman to launch an iPhone app. Yeah, that's right. The very first one. She is also a success coach and happiness cattle prod who has helped countless people transform their personal and professional lives via apps, public speaking, newsletters, seminars, and books. Her number one best-selling app, Gratitude, has been downloaded by thousands, featured on Oprah, NBC, New York Times, and countless other publications, and continues to grow in popularity around the globe. She shares everything she knows about producing successful apps in her best-selling book, Idea to iPhone. Due to popular demand, she launched the podcast Radical Shift, aligning neuroscience with ancient wisdom in a way that has never been done before. I don't know about you, but I am super pumped to introduce you to Carla White. Hey, it's so cool to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. Oh my goodness. First off, your bio is amazing. I literally cannot wait to learn so much about you. But here on the Stable Moment Podcast, we have a tradition. And the very first question we like to ask is, how do you do it? How do you keep stability in your life as you build your business? Yeah, right. It wasn't always there because this isn't taught to us growing up. In fact, we're taught just the opposite, how to find our happiness and stability through exterior things. So this is what my whole podcast is about. And I think we're going to dive into this a lot more too, but I do what's called power rituals that I do throughout the day. I start out my morning with them. And I studied a lot of neuroscience, so I don't mess around with what my thoughts are, what my habits are at all. Like we are guided 90% by our subconscious mind, our habits, our beliefs, who we believe we are, our identity. And so that is my main jam is what is my identity every single day and trying to work on that throughout the day. So In the Western world, usually the way we go about things is we go through our day, we, you know, we rush, we pick up our phone right away when we wake up. That's the main thing. And then we rush the day, like we feel like we're hurting cats all day. We got the kids, we got, you know, people bugging us. We're still checking emails after we get home and messages, answering messages with our kids tugging on us, wanting our attention. And then we finally get the kids to bed, you know, after the fifth time they got out of bed. And then we finally get to relax or give ourselves some Netflix or something to just chill out with, glass of wine. And then maybe before you go to bed, you'll meditate for about five, 10 minutes a day. And that's usually how we do it in the Western world. And I'm married to a man from uh, Hong Kong. He's 
half Chinese, half Scottish. And so I learned a lot about the Eastern culture and they do what I, I call them power rituals. They just have a small rituals that they do throughout the day, like all day long from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed. And I will tell you, they are way happier because, oh my gosh, I'm going to just ramble on. You ask the next question. <laughs> No, I love this. I, I love where you're going because you are saying some big things here. I mean, identity and what that means and subconscious beliefs and my goodness, th this is some big stuff. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me share. Over 70% of all Americans are on at least one prescription drug or more. Okay. We are the most drugged up nation in the world. It's really, really sad. And Usually that one drug creates side effects. So then a lot of people are on at least five, 25%, five or more prescription drugs, five or more. It's crazy. So um, eight out of the top 10 prescribed drugs are for stress-related illnesses. These are preventable illnesses. So when I stumbled across all of this, I was definitely in that I was that, that statistic, 100%. I had a master's degree. I was the first woman to launch an iPhone app. I was running an app agency. I was um, speaking on stage. I was doing all the things. And yet I had insomnia. I had panic attacks. I would wake up in the morning feeling like an elephant was on my chest. I couldn't breathe. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I had the white picket fence. I had the two-car garage. I did it all. I checked all the boxes. Why am I feeling like this? And that's when I really dove deep into neuroscience. Um, and what I discovered is, well, first off, with society, um, the top three industries need us to feel anxious and stressful for them to survive. They, they need us to be in an anxious state, in a not enough state. And the first one is arms. So that's humans just fearing each other, our own species. And I'll tell you what, we're all alike more than we are unalike. Um, I, one of my first big girl jobs was working at the Pentagon, getting rid of nuclear weapons in the former Soviet, Soviet Union. This was a $3.5 billion project where every day I'd go into my office and try and spend taxpayer dollars as fast as possible before you know, government said, hey, we're taking this away because you can't spend it fast enough. And then I'd go home to uh, a crack neighborhood because I couldn't afford any rent anywhere else. I was the only white person in this all black neighborhood. And it was like shootings and violence. And I would take these little kids, bring them in the backyard and we'd play duck, duck, goose and stuff because I just couldn't handle them seeing all this stuff on their front step. And um, that broke my heart. Two years I spent going into this job, spending money, coming home to a few blocks away from the Capitol building where that money could have been used. But we need to fear each other for that industry to survive, for all the tributaries of that industry to survive, governments and everything else, right? So that's the number one. The second one is pharmaceuticals, which is growing at 6% a day, multi-billion dollar industry. Let's just not even go there because like you get into talking about food and every, like so many things from TV commercials to the media, to the news, to our food products, they all stream back to supporting an industry that needs us to be sick, that, that evolves on us feeling ill and stressed. 
And then the third one is alcohol and tobacco. So you had a bad day, take a drink. There's billions of marketing dollars spent on just making alcohol look cool. And if you don't drink alcohol, you are not cool. There's a huge mindset just around that one alone. We kind of busted it with the cigarette industry or the tobacco industry, but even still going strong today. There's a lot of countries that still smoke cigarettes quite um, regularly. So, so that's the, the world that we live, live in. And that is why you need power rituals throughout the day, because you got this coming at you from all different angles. And most people aren't aware of it. So most people are walking through their day kind of hypnotized by this. So uh, where our natural state is joy. Look at your kids, right? They wake up, even after a bad night's sleep, they're gonna be joyful. You know, they very seldom are they crabby. And if they're crabby, you know, it's because they're sick or tired or something of the, like you can really pinpoint it. But as we get older, we start to lose that because we compare ourselves to other people in schools. We got this archaic education system that teaches us in a way that was meant to build factory workers, not thought leaders, not creative people. In fact, how many creative classes do, do your kids go to now? You know, like my son goes to a public school and he's, you know, it's like every Tuesday they have art, you know, wow. Talk about beating the creativity out of them, right? So my power rituals, of course, it's gratitude is one of them. Um, and gratitude is just all about switching your mindset from, from lack and scarcity and fear and not enough into abundance, into I am enough, into there is enough, okay? So when we are born, natural state joy, and as we grow up, we're comparing ourselves. We start to think we aren't enough. We need to get the best grades. Okay, now we got to get into college. Okay, now we got to get graduate school. Now we got to get the job. Now we got to get the promotion. We're never enough. We never arrive. So when you practice gratitude, and I don't even like to call it gratitude because gratitude sounds like you had to overcome something to achieve something. So I like to call it appreciation because it's already there. You just recognize it and you appreciate its existence. And the reason you're doing that, I'm going to go into a few different reasons. Um, but first off, our brains, as wonderful as they are, are a single processor. They cannot process two emotions, two thoughts at once. So you cannot be anxious and grateful or appreciative or joyful at the same time. So most people, when they wake up and they are reaching for their phone, because right when you wake up, you reach for your phone, your brain wants to know where you're at, who you are, what's the identity. So, and the phone uh, has been designed to make you wanna get that. So they did this experiment on monkeys. And what they did was they measured their dopamine levels. So that's a happiness chemical. They measured their dopamine levels when they rang a bell and then gave them a treat. So they ring the bell, the dopamine levels went up. And as they got the treat, they went down. So it's not the actual getting of the treat that made them happy. It was the anticipation of a treat. 
Now, what they did was they randomized what the treats are. So sometimes they give them two treats, sometimes they give them four, sometimes they give them none, sometimes they give them something they didn't like. And when they randomized those treats, the dopamine went up off the charts. So it was that anticipation that went way up. When you think about your phone or Facebook, friendiversary, take this quiz, on this day, who liked to comment? It's that variety of rewards and your dopamine is addicted to that. So you're starting, you've you have a dopamine addiction to emotional rewards you get when you open up your apps on your phone. Whether it's your email, whether it's your um, Facebook or Instagram, any of those messages, those are dopamine rushes that you're getting, which are mixed in with cortisol. So cortisol is a rush that you get with fight or flight. That is why most people have disease and illness, if they have an excess of cortisol. So they are waking up, they're going for their phone, they're going for that dopamine rush, they get a cortisol rush, because mixed in there with all that wonderful stuff is like news and comparing yourself again because we've been programmed to compare ourselves and so you're getting this mix of chemicals and you have this part of your brain called the reticulator activating system the ras it's down at the the back of your brain and it's shaped like a quarter of an apple and really what it does is filter in and out information so if you just look at your instagram or your Facebook feed, and you absorbed all the details of that, if your brain actually took in everything, it would blow off your head. It would just like go boom. It would, would not be able to, to process all that information. So this little RAS that sits at the base of your neck, it is a gatekeeper to what information comes in and what, what you notice. And you program that RAS. You tell it what you allow into your brain. For example, I go to my son's school. They have this floor-to-ceiling display of hundreds of kids' art. Amongst all of them, I'm guessing there are probably about 300 pictures, I was able to pick out my son's right away and you know you do this with your kids, like I can find my kids art straight away because you are programmed to notice that. You are programmed to, know, like you, when you hear five kids yell, you know your kids. You know that one's yours, right? Oh, that's my kids yell. They all sound the same, but the, you know yours because your RAS is programmed to it. That's why you recognize your own name more. That's why when you buy a car, you start to recognize that car over and over again you have programmed it to notice things, but most people aren't programming it. They're waking up in the morning, they're going into Instagram, Facebook, whatever, they're scattered. They're not giving the RAS the details. So like if you're saying, oh, I wanna be a millionaire, then your RAS, if you're not giving it the details of how to get there, the little step-by-steps, your RAS may have a huge, or let me explain that different. You may have a huge opportunity to becoming a millionaire, but because you didn't note the steps or get into the fine detail of what that looks like to you, and you might completely overlook that situation. And so if you're into anything woo-woo, like vision boards or whatever, that's what you're doing when you create a vision board is you are programming the RAS what to notice, what to bring in and what to let out. So, 
I know. Sorry. It's kind of like telling you Santa doesn't exist, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really quite amazing when you do it. So like, here's a few, I mean, I can't go through all my power rituals, but I'll try and give you the best one. So one that I do right away when I wake up, you're in a Delta state. You're so low cortisol. You just woke up. You're kind of in that dreamy state. You don't reach for your phone. Um, you, you're in a state where you can reprogram your subconscious mind. So our subconscious mind is pretty much, it, it is programmed during our formative years, zero to about seven or eight years old. We're just figuring out who we are, what works, what doesn't, what, what our identity is, what is our place in this world. And that is why our imagination is exploding because we don't have that logical uh, ego telling us, no, you can't do that. That makes, doesn't make sense. So just knocking it out, right? So how many times have you had a big dream and then all of a sudden you get really logical about it? Oh, that ain't gonna work. What about my kids? And what about this? And what about that? Like you start talking yourself out of it right away. So what you do right when you wake up, if you can for like 30 seconds, daydream, just allow yourself to go into some major daydreams about you, your life, whatever. It could be about that day. It could be just you going to the gym or whatever you want to achieve. Sitting down, writing that chapter, figuring out that bug in your code, whatever it is that you want to get done, see yourself doing it. Speaking from stage, that's a big one I want to do. So I see myself like I have stood on top of a lot of stages this year just so I could visualize that when I'm laying in bed. So I look out from the stage, I see the thousands of people and then I use that and I see myself, I feel myself, feel that emotion. You have, like when people say they don't know how to visualize, we're visualizing all the time. We just call it worry. Um, well, I don't know what it feels like to be a millionaire. Look, whatever age you're at, you pretty much felt all the range of emotions that exist. You just got to pick one that will replicate what it'll feel like to be a millionaire. You have felt excitement before. You have felt joy. You have felt what it's like to go on a vacation or to suddenly sneak out of class or something like that. And just like, you know what it feels like. And so you grab that past experience and you pull it into the future. And that's, that's programming, your RAS, what to notice. It will notice these things. So if I want to speak from stage more and more and more, guess what? I've got five speaking engagements already in the next two months because I start to notice these things. I notice these opportunities. I, my, my words, what I'm saying, reflect where I want to go. So like if you're telling yourself, I'm tired all the time, I'm a terrible mom, or I can't figure things out, or I'm stuck, you are telling your R-A-S, be tired. I have to be tired. Find things that'll make me tired. And this is a lot of times why on Facebook or other times when you see somebody post something and you either hotly agree with it or disagree with it, it's because you program that part of your brain for an identity. This is who I am. This is my R-A-S. And so right away you're going, oh, nope, I don't believe in guns or I don't like that president or I don't like that person because you're programmed to believe that. And then your marketers know this, government knows this, they all know this. This isn't like new news. This has been around for decades. So get this, 
Okay, so we had the, the first industrial revolution and right after that happened during World War I. So all the goods that we mass produced went towards war efforts. And then the war ended, so we had a second industrial revolution. Right. And all of our amazing great grandparents didn't buy anything because they're like, hey, I'm making my own soap and I'm gonna sew my own clothes and I'm baking my own bread and I'm not even gonna give you the recipe because it's been in my family for five generations and you ain't getting it. And so nobody was buying these mass produced goods. And so the government went to marketers and they said, look, we got to redefine what it is to be American. And the marketers started using stories to say American, being American is having the two car garage, the white picket fence, the Cadillac, happiness in the, is in the bottom of a Coke bottle. This is what it's like to be American, is to consume. In fact, when the Twin Towers fell, the first thing Bush said, or one of the first things he said, is be American, go out and buy again. And so now we're in this consumption uh, society where we're buying, buying, buying mass-produced goods. I mean, look at Walmart, how successful it is. And our, our happiness levels have totally declined. I mean, 70% on stress related, I mean, on medication and all that's stress related. We're accumulating more debt. We go to college that teaches us how to get debt, not how to get wealth. And we're more stressed than ever, trying to buy more stuff to fill this hole inside of us. That hole is filled through creating, through producing. We are naturally creators, especially as women. We naturally know how to create. The problem is that we've been brainwashed that to be nice girls and not braggadocious. If you would brag, and I don't care whether you like this president or not, but if you do some Trump bragging where everything is the greatest, everything is the best, that my hotel is the best. He is, re he is programming his reticulator activating system. That is what he's doing when he's saying, I am the greatest. My hotels are the greatest. My stakes are the greatest. My schooling is whatever is the greatest. What if you did that for you? I mean, you would have so much more power in everything that you're doing. Everything. You would have so much more confidence. And if you go down the route of law of attraction and you want to say, well, I want to attract money. I want to be in that money vibe. Money is attracted to confidence. And it isn't like money's flying around with little wings on it. It's people with money and credit cards. People want to spend their money. They enjoy spending their money. They get an endorphin rush when they spend their money. And when your confidence is high, people will want to employ you, hire you, bring you onto their team. So let me give you an example. And I'm going to bring it all on home with some gratitude, Okay. So let's say you are going for a job interview, okay? You want a job and you kind of feel like you could get this job. You know that there's somebody else who's probably a little bit better at it and you're not sure if the boss likes you, but you kind of really want this job. Well, then you're gonna go into the job with anxious apprehension or applying for that. Your actions and what you do are going to be riddled with anxiety. You're going to have that vibration. Now, let's say that the boss took you out for dinner, said, look, I really want you. I'm going to double your salary. You are a shoe in Then you're going to go into that with confidence and eager anticipation. 
totally different emotion, being anxious or eager. No matter if it's like going in for a job, asking somebody for a date, picking up your kids, getting up on Monday morning, every situation you choose, am I going to go into it anxiously or eagerly? And the way that you can program your mind to always be eager is through writing down every single day. I like to say eight things because eight in the Bible is the number for abundance. Eight turned on its side is infinity. So I do at least eight, eight actions that happened that day that made me happy, that were pretty much in my favor. That was the universe showing up saying, yep, I got you. And it can be anything from, hey, I got out for a walk, my kids cuddling in bed, anything. And what happens then, it's like this. You create a super highway in your mind. Well, you have super highways going on in your mind anyway, but you're building new bridges. You're solidifying new neural pathways in your mind. So when you, that traffic starts going through, it picks that neural pathway. It picks that positive road. It's like this. I grew up on a farm and in the spring, it would rain so much. My uh, dad would drive his tractor from the feed to the cattle out in the field. And with that rain and the mud, the tracks would wear into the ground and then it would slowly dry. And it got to the point where my dad didn't even need to hold onto the steering wheel of the tractor anymore. It would just automatically go in that rut and drive itself from the feed to the field. And you're doing the exact same thing in your mind. So when you get into a situation where you feel like you got to punch that person's lights out, you're actually going to laugh about it. You're going to find something funny. You're, it's not going to rattle your cage. Your cortisol will be lower. You'll be calm. You'll have a different state of energy in your body. It won't be conflicting. It won't be creating because we're energy. We're 99.99999% energy. If you took our physical matter and pushed it down together, we would be the size of a sugar cube. So we are energy, all these cells and everything bouncing off of each other. When you're angry, it's like they're doing some weird, I don't know, Fortnite dance. And when you are feeling grateful and laughing and having fun or at ease and relaxed, it's just flowing. It's just simple and easy. And you know, when you're like, oh, tied up in your shoulders and everything, and you got a knot in the spine of your back. And it's so often it happens so gradually that you just like one day you wake up and it feels like an elephant sitting on your chest and you can't breathe. And you're like, how the heck did I get here? So you take away is every day to daydream right when you wake up and also when you go to sleep. Those are really powerful times to rewire your subconscious mind. There are other ways to do it. There's, um, there's hypnosis, there is psyche, there's tapping, there's all sorts of other ways, but this is a natural, just free thing that you do twice a day anyway. And if you meditate, that's also a really good time to do it because you're in that theta state. Your ego is asleep and your subconscious mind is more impressionable. So if you meditate, and then look at your vision board and then start to guide that, those big dreams while your ego is sitting there asleep, not saying, oh, you can't do that, but what about this and that and the other, talking you out of it before you even got up from meditation. 
don't open up your phone either. That's a bad time to look at Facebook. So, or emails and set boundaries. This is your time. If you're a mom and you're working and you are already giving from an empty cup, you got to set those boundaries. Man, the best thing I ever did for my family was to set some boundaries and have some morning time. Just this morning, my five-year-old got up early, like 6 a.m. I was still hadn't meditated yet, and I had to send him back to bed. Did he like it? Heck no. He wanted to crawl in my bed with me, but they know that this, this is boundaries. I got to have this time. And if you can't find it in your home with your kids, I totally get it. See if you can just park in a parking lot for five minutes and just let your, let your mind relax for just a little bit. And if you need guided relaxation, there's tons of apps out there. And then at the end of the day, and you do this every single day, it's not like I do it once or twice. I've been doing this every day for what, 11, 12 years now, writing down at least eight things that are good that day, that I appreciate that day. Putting a picture with it. I use my app. I put a photo on there and then I can look at them over and over again. I'm constantly reminded about all the things that are working out for me builds up my confidence. I mean, if you would have seen me five years ago, I could barely pull two sentences together. I had to cancel most of my appointments because I had such bad insomnia. I mean, I really honestly looked like I was going on 70. And then I went to this conference and this woman says, I teach, I teach meditation and I taught it to some war-strucken women in Africa. And after meditating for two weeks, they looked 15 years younger. So I started meditating to look younger. Not I mean, it's vanity, honey. Who cares? That's awesome. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This has been fantastic. I feel bad that I've like not contributed, but I'm like listening. I'll just like hang yeah. out every word. Oh my goodness. Wow. I did have a couple of questions that came up, but like you said, you were on a roll and I just wanted to let you go. <laughs> so one of my biggest things is in the morning, my phone is what I use for an alarm. Would you then recommend not using your phone for an alarm so that you're not, you tempted? can use, you can use your reticulator activating your RAS. You can tell your, so I don't use an alarm. I tell my RAS, I want to get up at 4:30 tomorrow. And I tell my RAS, I'm going to sleep really good tonight. I tell my RES, like I tell myself, I'm not like, hey, RES, <laughs> what is it up? We're going to have a conversation. <laughs> no, I just like, I, I, I just gently say it to myself as I'm getting ready for bed. Oh, it's going to be such a good night's sleep. I'm going to wake up early. I get my clothes ready for working out. And yeah, yeah. You, I, I haven't used an alarm in years. See, here's the thing that happens with alarms is you actually are more tired if you wake up with an alarm because you haven't completed a full sleep cycle. And so without completing that, your body's going to feel more tired. So like even if you got eight hours of sleep and you interrupted a sleep cycle, your body's going to feel fatigued throughout the whole day. So I'm curious. You, you have a five-year-old, so you at least recently went through this um, with the whole nighttime wakings. And so how, is there anything you could do? Because this is fascinating to me. Is there anything you could do that makes that easier? <laughs> you know, I am not 
a, a fan of giving kids drugs, melatonin or any of these natural sleep aids. They are not natural. Natural sleep is going to sleep on your own. Kids know how to sleep on their own. So please don't use that as a remedy. Um, we do, we do have an evening routine and my evening routine is just as important as my morning routine. And that is when we turn off our screens, we start to get the stimuli down. Uh, we, we start to boil because like even in myself, my stimulates. So I, I br have to bring that energy down for my kids. We dim the lights. We start to read books. We, um, set things out for the next day. We just, we have this regular routine that we do. And I make sure they're in bed by eight o'clock, not asleep, but in bed. And the nighttime wakes coming into the bed, that took tough, tough love. I mean, some screams, whatnot, but we are all much better if we sleep in our own bed. The kids as well. It's easy to say, oh, I just jumped in, right? But if I can muscle through a few nights, couple of weeks of, come on, kids, you can do it. And sit on their step as they go back to sleep. I'll, you know, like I sit outside their room. I'll be right here. We'll, you know, like gradually working. I am not a sleep expert, but I tell you what, I hired them to help me with my kids because it is so worth it to it help them learn healthy sleep habits. I mean, most adults have insomnia and we know how to sleep. Our bodies are normal sleep machines. It's just we have conditioned ourselves out of that natural rhythm and the cortisol is so high. So cortisol is as addictive as heroin. Your body gets addicted to cortisol. So if you are not getting those regular cortisol rushes, you will look for things to give them to you. So, oh, the other shoe's got to drop. This is going to go bad. This got to happen. You look for things to get angry about, to get that cortisol rush, to feel like you're in control because a cortisol rush can feel good too. Like how many times have you flipped somebody off and it felt really good? <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's nodding her head. She's like, oh, a hundred. <laughs> a couple. Just a few. <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> but it feels good sometimes, right? And that's that cortisol rush. You feel like you're in control, but it's not. And then you get addicted to it. So when you're not getting that cortisol rush. So this is what will happen to a lot of my clients when I'm working with them. And I can see it. I can see the pattern right away. They're, they're not getting that cortisol rush. So they sabotage whatever we're working on to get that, to get back in that comfort zone, because this is what our subconscious mind wants to do is to keep us in a secure place, to keep us in this nice buffer zone. So it doesn't have to work or think. That's why you have it. It's to run things efficiently. I am this A plus B equals this. I got to go do this and this and this. I do it in this order. I mean, I bet you for this morning, you did the exact same thing you did yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before and the day before. And that's efficiency. That's just efficiency because your brain, again, has to do a lot. So it tries to be efficient. And when you switch that up, your, your brain, like a thermostat, set at 70 degrees, and then all of a sudden you open up the window and it shifts the, the temperature, you are going to do what it has to do to get it back into that comfort zone, back into that 70 degree spot. And this is where growth happens is when you can push 
what that comfort zone looks like. And you have to start with who you believe you are and what you believe you're capable of doing. So often we think I will change when I have the car, the house, or the kids are older, I get this, but it actually has to start with, I am that person right now. And when you become that person, those things start to fall into place. So you were talking about your clients and that, that, that cortisol rush. So how do you overcome that or compensate for that? Yeah. So that's a lot of accountability, um, different techniques. I know it's coming. Um, they'll kick back and it's a lot of reminding them exactly why they're doing it. What's the purpose? Most people, all of us actually have issues in our life that we are hoping will just go away. We aren't dealing with them and they start to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's usually when the clients come into my life, it's they're like, okay, I just can't deal with this anymore. Either their business is going bust or their life is like falling apart, which, or both. And so at that point I have to remind them because they think everybody thinks they have much more time than they actually do. And the truth of it is, is if they carry on with the way they are, a lot of us, you're going to have bigger problems down the road because that's what society wants you to have. They want, they don't want you to be healthy. They want you to find your happiness at target. Aisle number 17, <laughs> new sheets. That's going to do it. Yes. <laughs> And the shirt. You need the but, shirt. The target Because they match the sheets. No, <laughs> oh my goodness. This has been amazing. I have thoroughly enjoyed this interview. You have said so many things that have resonated with me and I'm just, I loved all of it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing it with this crowd because I think uh, this is a crowd that needs to hear it the most. Right. But yeah, so I just want to do a quick summary of kind of the, the big takeaways. And yeah. the thing is like, your life is in your hands, right? And some of the things yeah. you can do is be mm. grateful or uh, write down eight things that you really enjoyed from that day and just kind of reprogram your brain into realizing or noticing things that make it happy versus noticing things that make it stress. Not so happy. Stress. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, you, we all have much more power than we know. We're capable of so much more than we know. I'm very slowly starting to realize it, and it, I like it. <laughs> Yay, she did the muscle woman. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so thank you again. Uh, where can we find more information about you? Because this stuff is mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can find me at carlawhite.org. I have a podcast called Radical Shift. I also have an app called the gratitude journal. You go to the gratitude app.com. Wow. All right. Well, that's where I'll be ladies. If you want to join me, you're more than welcome because I found this absolutely fascinating. Uh, again, Carla, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, could you please take a minute to rate and review my show? It would mean the world to me. Also, let me know if you have any questions or if there's something in particular that you are struggling with so that we can cover it in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. 
Remember, progress is being just 1% better today than you were yesterday. You got this, mama. See you on the next episode.